We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon and welcome to the Hoosier Huddle podcast. Today uh, we are breaking down the Indiana uh, Wake Forest matchup on Saturday. Uh, my name is Sammy Jacobs. Along with us is our co-host TJ Inman. He'll be along shortly. Uh, we're going to go over um, Wake uh, the game against Wake Forest Saturday at 3.30. Uh, it'll be televised at, on uh, Big Ten Network. Uh, it is in Bloomington. The weather is supposed to be spectacular. Um, so hopefully there's a, a good fan turnout, and we'll talk about that um, as well on the show. Uh, TJ, how are you? I'm doing very well, thanks. How are you doing? I'm doing excellent. The, the open week uh, kind of threw me for a loop. It, it felt like another whole nother off season, but now we have yeah. uh, ten, ten straight weeks of uh, power conference, power five conference opponents, and and we're ready to you know. Uh, you're, we're ready to go. Yeah, 10 straight weeks, for better or worse, you know, it's uh, something we talked about in our last podcast that uh, necessarily by week presents you with advantages and disadvantages. That's the case for any time you have a bye week. Uh, it's just going to come down to how well did the Indiana uh, players and coaching staff use this off week. Um, I, I think that there were some hints dropped um, from Coach's comments here during these, these past two weeks whenever he's talked to the media about Indiana putting an emphasis on getting through those two weeks and then kind of like we talked about, you know, taking the bye week to kind of assess what went right, what went wrong. Um, and I, I think that you'll see a little bit of a more um, – I think the game plan is going to be a little bit different here after those two weeks, uh, I think you'll see a little bit more creativity on offense. Um, and I think you'll maybe see, I don't think you'll see much of a change on the defensive side of things. Um, but I think the offense, you're going to see a little bit more creativity put into place. And, uh, and certainly that'll be the case with, uh, different personnel as well, if they can, um, get guys healthy, but, it's going to be really interesting to see how they've used the bye week, uh, how they come back off of it uh, against a, a very good opponent that we're here to, to preview. Uh, yeah, and Wake Forest is coming in 3-0. and uh, Statistically, they have a, a top 10 uh, defense. They're allowing under 13 points a game at 12.7, uh, allowing under 80 rushing yards a game. Uh, and 247.7 total yards per game. So this defense, I know their opponents haven't uh, been great in Tulane, uh, Duke, and 
uh, Delaware, but Duke was receiving votes at the time that they played. It was a conference road game for Wake Forest, uh, and, yeah. and it was a very impressive performance. Uh, the Delaware game, uh, yes, they let up 21 points, but the, the offense gave Delaware the ball inside the, their own 20 um, mm-hmm. a couple of times for them to score touchdowns. So, really, they kept Delaware under 100 total yards, um, and a lot of factors go into that, whether it, it be where their starting field position is or just how good this, this defense is. But it, it is a very, very good defense. They get a lot of tackles for loss. Um, uh, Duke, uh, uh, um, I think it's Ijafor, uh, has is their defense end, big-time player, had six-and-a-half tackles for a loss, four-and-a-half sacks. Um, and, and their linebacker Markel Lee has has three and a half or three tackles for loss. So their defense is going to be aggressive, going to get in the backfield, and, and Indiana's offense is going to have to be ready to go. And and we when we talked to players this week, it was all about getting the ball out quickly, getting the balls to receivers quickly, and really having trust between the, um, Richard Lego and uh, and his receivers to be in the right spots at the right time. Uh, to kind of offset the uh, Wake Forest pressure. Yeah, I think that the tackles for loss are something that stands out. In addition, the run defense stands out uh, to me when I was looking at the, I say tape, but, you know, I'm not watching tape. When I was looking at their online video uh, to prepare for this game, especially the game against Duke, because uh, I think that's probably the most comparable level of competition you're going to get. Although Duke's attack um, was pretty interesting that game. They they very rarely handed that to their running backs. Uh, and then, you know, watching them against Northwestern, they tried a little bit more, Duke did, to get their running game going with their running backs. But, again, it was mostly just quarterback, uh, quarterback zone read keeps um, and then passing. So Duke didn't really try to establish their running game, but – that being said, uh, Wake Forest held Tulane to 3.1 yards per carry, and Tulane is in a transition uh, with new head coach Willie Fritz trying to get a kind of triple option game going. So hard to tell what to take from that, but they were 3.1 yards per carry. Duke was two, uh, 1.2 yards a carry, and Delaware only 2.2 yards a carry. So, you know, I don't really care who you're playing, holding your opponent. Uh, to that level for three straight weeks is really good rush defense. And Indiana did not do particularly well, uh, you know, mildly concerning, I think. Part of that was Dan Feeney being out. Um, But still, you know, that's something to look for, no doubt, against the Wake Forest front that has so far proven to be really stout as expected coming in. This was not a surprise. It's not like there's some three-week fluke. They were a very good defense last season. They were expected to be this season, and they are. Uh, so it's going to be very interesting to see how Indiana handles the the front of Wake Forest, not just uh, protecting Richard Lego, but also establishing the running game, which we know, and Kevin Wilson said this in the press conference, you know, it's, it's about establishing the run and stopping the run. That's how Indiana wants to start their game. And he said Wake Forest wants to do much the same. And he's right. On offense, that's what Wake Forest is going to look to do as well. But I think that the first thing to watch for is going to be who controls that line of scrimmage. Is it going to be the IU offensive line? 
Or is it going to be the Wake Forest defensive line? Uh, I think you're going to see a lot of uh, a lot of what you saw against Florida International, which was quick passes. You can call them bubble screens or tunnel screens. I think you'll see more of that. They barely used it against Ball State, which I thought was interesting. But I do think you'll see more of that to uh, Mitchell Page, maybe some to Ricky Jones, get him involved that way. Uh, you might see um, – yeah, maybe – that's another thing. We don't know. We didn't see practice at all these two weeks, so we don't know who excelled at practice, who struggled, uh, if it makes any difference to playing rotation, you know, if anybody has gotten healthier or gotten banged up. Uh, we don't know any of that, so it's a little bit difficult to preview that, but I think based on what we know, I think you'll see some of those short, quick slants, short bubble screens, short tunnel screens. I think it's an area Indiana has good playmakers and they can get them the ball in space. That'd be good. You're limiting the effect of Wake Forest's uh, pass rush and it can operate as kind of a quasi running game. Secondary is where particularly corner is where they're a little bit vulnerable. I do think that they can be had. I think that uh, watching that Duke game, Duke's quarterback, Thomas Sirk is out for the season, so he didn't play. And the guy that they were playing, I didn't think he was particularly accurate, but he was able to find some pretty good success uh, against the Duke, uh, against the, uh, the secondary Wake Forest. I think Richard Legault can do the same uh, if the play calling is set up for him to do that. Yeah, and, and you mentioned the injuries uh, earlier, TJ. Injuries are going to be a, a big factor in this game on both yeah. sides. Uh, we've learned that, that Wake Forest's um, – one of their quarterbacks, Kendall Hinton, who was named the starter after the Duke game, uh, got hurt in the Delaware game, uh, has a sprained, I believe, PCL, um, and will yep. miss two to four weeks. And then uh, their freshman running back, who's had a great season, Cade uh, Carney, it will also miss the game. He suffered an injury in practice and is looking for a return around October 8th. Uh, they said that hopefully he'll be back for that game. Um, so two of Wake Forest's bigger weapons are, um, are out, but they, they still have, uh, they still have a lot to, to fear on offense. John Walford, who has started a lot of games for this team uh, is going to start on Saturday. He's uh, 25 for 46 for 251 yards, a touchdown and a pick. He, you know, people say, you know, there was a big difference between Hinton and, and Wofford, but that, that's just not true. They run the same style of offense. Hinton was a better scrambler, but Wofford can um, – he could run as well. You saw he had a, a big uh, big run against Delaware on, a, on a, um, a read option keeper, and he's athletic enough to, to hurt you with his feet. And he, he has a decent arm, not great. Um, but they also have a, a great tight end and, and Cam uh, Saragain. Um, he's an all ACC caliber uh, tight end. He has over 1,100 uh, career um, receiving yards. I believe he has nine career touchdowns. And look for them to, to use him kind of like FIU used Johnny Smith um, against IU. Uh, and then Matt Colburn has run the ball very well. At running back, averaging four and a half yards a carry uh, with the score on the ground. So this this team, you know, if you look back at it last year, you know, the game was a one-score game with Wake going into the end zone uh, with a Hail Mary at the end to try and tie it. But uh, this team 
looks a lot better and more poised than than last year's Wake Forest team. But you know, we'll see what Indiana does. The defense looks better, and you know, the biggest question injury wise for Indiana is is Dan Feeney going to be back? And you know, it's a, a concussion and going through concussion protocols. Everybody responds differently, and this is something that Wilson has said uh, regarding other injuries. You know everybody's timetable is different. You can't say, you know, oh, Simi Cobbs ha- has a broken ankle. It's going to be six to eight weeks. And, you know, Jordan Fuchs has an ankle injury. It's going to be the exact same timetable. Everybody heals differently in different ways. So, you know, especially with head injuries, they're tricky. Um, but, you know, he didn't give us an update on Feeney, just said that he was going through concussion protocol and that there was no negative news. Uh, to me, that's, you know, saying a couple sentences and not saying anything at all, uh, which is a, a Wilson staple. Uh, but if Feeney's in, I, I think IU, IU's offense is is uh, good enough to, you know, put put the clamps down on on uh on Wake Forest defense if Feeney's not in they're going to have to adjust they have to play better than they did against Ball State because uh, this this Wake Forest front is going to get after you um TJ uh let's take a little break for a second talk about um Wilson's comments from from Monday's press conference he um you know either called it depends how you look at it he either called out the fan base or challenged the fan base uh to stay throughout the entire game it's something that has plagued IU football for a long time. Uh, you know, fans leaving at halftime he said uh, that his team played like the fans had left in the fourth quarter. Um, it's a shot both at his team and and kind of at the fans. But basically he said, get a better cooler. It'll keep your beer cool. Um, and just, you know, hang tough through the fourth quarter and help us win games. And it goes back to Terry Hepner. When you, you know, his motto was crowds help win games, and, and Wilson alluded back to that. But um, to me, you know, personally, uh, as, as a huge IU fan, I was fired up by those, um, by that quote. You know, it, it's something that that bugs me a little bit. I get it was Ball State. I get the team was up by 30, and I get that. You know, we we've all been punched in the gut by this team, and it's hard to come back. Um, and you know, if you've been, you know, punching the gut for 20 years, eventually you teach yourself not to get punched in the gut anymore. And so there's a lot of trust that needs to be earned back by this Indiana football team, but this is the best that this program has been probably in 20 years. They're looking at going to back-to-back bowl games. Uh, they're exciting to watch their offense last year, led the big 10. Uh, they they have a very good home schedule playing in the Big Ten East. You know, some of the non-conference games, they're matchup non-conference games. That's what you have to do. You have to understand, you know, TJ, you see a lot of the complaints about basketball's non-conference schedule playing, you know, these RPI 1,000 teams at home. Mm-hmm. Well, in football, it's a little bit different. You're at nine conference games. Now you're you, – you, fans want bowl games and you need six wins to get to a bowl game. So, you know, instead of scheduling teams like Oregon and Missouri and Navy who might, you know, be a a better ticket on paper to go to, 
you got to find games that you can win. And, you know, playing a matchup game like Wake Forest and down the road in Cincinnati, um, Louisville might not be a matchup game in, in the next couple of years. But, you know, finding these games that you could win at home without, you know, scheduling an FCS team is difficult. And fans have to start to understand and, and understand college football scheduling. It's different than college basketball. And to me, it's, you know, I think he was 100% correct in doing it. But, you know, on the other side, as a media member, it, I, I, it killed me. I hated it. it. It's something that, you know, it's – look, we're talking about it in the pregame show. It's taking away from talking about two undefeated teams um, playing on Saturday in a big game that that's leading up to an even bigger game as, as – IU opens up Big Ten season. So, me, hopefully the fans see it as a challenge. Hopefully they show up on Saturday. It's a 3.30 kick. Uh, it's not, you know, a, a nooner. It, the weather's going to be good. The forecast is better. Um, so, yeah, maybe fans should show up. Um, you know, we'll show up better. It's a better opponent than Ball State, uh, and it should be a good game. But to me, just saying that, knowing – you know, the people around Indiana football, it's something that, you know, you look at all, you know, the IDS uh, coverage and all that. It's all about what Wilson said about the fans. It's not about Indiana, an undefeated Indiana team taking on an undefeated Wake Forest team uh, at three thirty on Saturday. And that's what makes me mad. Um, What's your opinion, TJ? I, I certainly understand the, uh, the line of thinking that gets taken away from the game and that that, um, as a as a result, he shouldn't have said that. Um, I, I totally understand that line of thinking. I kind of go back to, well, is he wrong? And to me, the answer is absolutely no. Kevin Wilson was completely correct. And I think it's important to take the entire context of what he said and look at all – look at everything that he said, he also, you know, mentioned that the, and he has done this repeatedly, the crowd in the first half was really good and that his team fed off the energy. And that is a compliment to the fans, which is not really being used as part of any story. It's, you know, almost every story that I've read is just mentioning the the remarks about the fourth quarter which I understand those are the more newsworthy worthy quotes, but I don't think it's entirely fair to just take, you know, one half of what he said. He also mentioned, you know, there were a lot of people there and the energy was really high to begin that game when Indiana got out to a 30 to nothing lead. Um, and it was, you know, the crowds are better right now than they have been in a long time. Um, I feel like they're, it, 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 it came across on TV. It really did. In that first half, the turf looked great. Uh, it looked like a large, you know, a mostly mostly filled Memorial Stadium. The corners were empty, but, uh, you know, that's not a surprise at all. But it was a mostly filled Memorial Stadium, and it's pretty loud. It seemed like the energy was good. Um, and he mentioned that. And he said the team fed off of it. And then in that second half, there's a noticeable gap between what the first half crowd looks like and the second half crowd looks like. Um, I don't understand it. I don't know why you would 
pay for a, a product and and then and then leave before you've gotten to see everything you paid for. I don't I don't understand that. I've never thought that way. Um, so it doesn't entirely make sense to me. I'm not a drinker, so I have no desire to go outside to, to drink. I, I don't I don't get that aspect of it either. But I know that for a lot of people, it's a social thing, and they've had as much as they as they want to take after a half and I teach his own but you know everybody's right to leave whenever they want to but I would suggest that what the majority of people that go to these games want is for Indiana to be the best program it can be Uh, and one way to help that and I believe this you know coaches will say this I don't believe it's just coach speak one way to help that is to have a good home field advantage be a, a good crowd, uh, an energetic crowd, a loud crowd. I think it does help your team. There's a reason that teams do better at home than they do on the road in college. There's a reason that occurs, and it's not just because they slept in their, their you know, their beds the night before. Um, so, you know, one way to – the only way, really, that a fan is able to actively help his program or her program is by – going to the game and, and cheering and staying. Um, you know, if you're dissatisfied with the product and, you know, I use getting blown out time, then I, I guess, okay, you can leave. But I don't know why you'd leave uh, a 30 to nothing game. Uh, it's fun to watch your team ahead, so I don't really know why you'd leave then either. So I don't understand why people are leaving. Uh, I know the reasons that are given, but I, they don't line up with, with my thinking. So I can understand them without agreeing with them. Um, I, I guess that I, I, I understand where Kevin Wilson's coming from. I also understand that, you know, it takes away from the game and it's just going to be the thing that's focused on. Um, I'll go back to if Indiana can win this game, uh, and be three and oh, going into that Michigan state contest, which, you know, if Michigan state beats Wisconsin, they're going to be a top you know, at, at minimum, a top eight team coming to Memorial Stadium to play a three and OIU team in the Big Ten opener in prime time, that's going to be a great atmosphere, uh, regardless of what Kevin Wilson said about the fans. I don't think it's a calling out. I think it's a challenging of the fans, and I hope that they take it that way and say, well, okay, Kevin Wilson, you, you want us to stay for the second half? We'll do it. We'll see what happens, and we'll see if your second half performance improves. And, you know, I can't imagine that people would regret hanging around for a second half if Indiana plays well and and gets a victory. I can't imagine that's something people regret doing. So hopefully people give it a chance. Um, Stay for the three, three and a half, four hours. I know games can be kind of long, especially with the replay reviews and all that. I get that. I know that. I just hope people plan that time investment into it, and if they decide to go to the game, um, that they give it a chance, stay for the whole thing. And like Kevin Wilson said, you're in you know, the last six games, Indiana's lost in, in overtime twice and uh, and won the other four. So hang around and see what happens. So I hope that's what happens, and um, we can spend next week just recapping a win and then previewing it and not have to – not have to delve into it, but yeah, that's my thinking, and I guess we get back to previewing Lake Forest and just 
see what the second half crowd looks like on Saturday. Uh, yeah, and, and just a, a last thought on that. You know, game time, length of game is something that that's um, I've yeah. heard discussed a lot about it. And even as sitting in the press box, there's, you know, the first half you're jacked up, your adrenaline's going. And then I, it's something that needs to be changed is every play that, you know, it doesn't even have to be 50-50. There are plays that are obviously that's the correct call on the field and they go to replay and it just takes too darn long. And then halftime yep. is too long. You know, you're, you're, you're jacked up, ready to go. You know, it's, you had a good first half. We're excited. And then you have, I think it's an eight, 17 or 18 minute lull. And, you yep. know, with all due respect that the marching hundred needs to be better too you know they're they're okay um but i mean they're they're march bands uh way better but i think that the game's taking way too long and you kind of I, I know you're not a drinker but you you lose that buzz um that day drinking buzz that you have and and you kind of hit uh you know you start crashing from an, an adrenaline rush to start the game and you know it's time to take a nap or, you know, go get another drink or, or something like that. But um, that's my final thought on it. It's maybe, you know, quickening up the pace of the game, uh, finding some way to review plays a little bit faster, a little bit better. Um, and then, you know, trying to, you know, pump this crowd up at halftime, make them stay or have a reason to stay. And maybe that is selling alcohol um, in the stadium. Uh, but yeah, uh, back to Wake Forest. Uh, let's get to keys to the game. Uh, keys to victory, TJ. Uh, my first key to the uh, victory is uh, is keeping uh, Richard Lego uh, upright and and kind of uh, neutralizing this Wake Forest line. We saw it last week in the second half uh, with Dan Feeney out. Um, you know, Lego was sacked four times in that game, uh, and then they could get nothing going. Uh, on offense in that in that late second half and, and kind of grounded out and and got that ten point victory. But uh, this is a much better front than Ball State, um, and you can't have a performance like that. So to me, having a challenge and I and I talked to Coach Fry yesterday. Um, they're up for the challenge. They've been pushing these guys in practice uh, to their limits and getting ready they have a lot of respect for this wake forest line um so this you know it's a veteran line they've played a lot of football they just need to gel together um and if feeney's back i I think they have a a very good shot of becoming that line you saw more last year um and in the fiu game than than in the second half of the ball state game so that's my um my first key to victory that that's hard to argue with um you know, I, I think it's it's easy to underestimate the impact that losing Dantini in the middle of a game can have on IU's offense. Um, I, I think that it's I think that we do a pretty good job of understanding his importance, but um, he's such an integral part of the IU offensive line and really the IU offense in general that it's you know, when he just leaves in the second quarter with an injury, I, I do think that that had a massive impact. And I think Indiana's offensive line 
uh, the performance of it over you know the past couple seasons. I I think you have to give him the benefit of the doubt until proven otherwise. That that second half was just kind of a um, a low watermark mirage that is not going to repeat itself very often. Um, that's certainly what we're hoping, but that's a it's a really important factor to this game and. Um, I think you could flip it and say Wake Forest offensive line against high youth front, um, as with any game, you know the trenches are going to be going to be a, a, a big battle point. Um, but Wake Forest is going to look to establish that run. Indiana's done a good job against the run so far this year in their two games, so uh, we'll see if they can keep that up against what's likely. I, I would say it's likely to be. Three different running backs they're going to see. Um, with Carney out, you're going to look at Matt Colburn, and then they've also got a guy, Rocky Reed and Tyler Bell, uh, that are you know capable second and third backs. Um, and then John Wolford is, uh, like you said, he's a capable runner. He's not going to be somebody that you necessarily lose sleep over him running uh, or throwing, but he's you know, just a solid two-way uh, or dual threat guy. I, I think that Kendall Hinton, the offense is more capable of big plays with Kendall Hinton in there than they are Wolford. Um, but there's a line of scrimmage on both sides. But for me, um, Indiana's offense has got to do a better job. And we've talked about this repeatedly. They've got to do a better job with two things. Number one, third downs. Uh, they were terrible against Ball State on third down awful. Uh, they they really need to do a much better job of that. And then converting on those scoring chances, you know, when you get inside the 40 for the opponent, get inside that scoring zone, you've got to come away with points. And against Wake Forest, you're not going to be in there all that often. It's not like every possession you're going to be able to march down there and get into the scoring zone. So when you do get those chances, you have to convert. You know, ideally, you're converting for touchdowns, but Getting points on the board uh, is going to be a big thing. Anytime you get side, inside those scoring zones, that means you know, not getting bad penalties like false starts or holdings. Um, that means not allowing Wake Forest to create negative plays to put you behind the chains. That means executing on your play calls, uh, whether that's you know being a little bit more creative with how you uh, – try to attack the end zone, whether that means, you know, not dropping balls, which has not been a problem so far this year, but uh, you just have to be really sharp when you get down in there because it's going to be a tough defense to punch the ball in on. Yeah, and you're exactly right, and that's part of the problem Duke had against this team was yeah. getting those little plays in the red zone on third down and leaving points on the field. Um, Indiana was two for 13 against Ball State on third downs is absolutely abysmal. Um, and that, you, you know, you take the words right out of my mouth on, on that for uh, another key to the game. That's going to be huge. It's, you know, can they extend drives on this team? Can they turn those, you know, 28-yard field goals into touchdowns um, and, and get points and, and really extend the lead uh, on this Wake Forest team? They can't. Um, They can't do what they did against Ball State on that first drive uh, where, you know, they had the ball down at the five-yard line and Camille had a stupid penalty 
uh, that knock them back 15 yards and uh, they settle for three. Um, and it brings me to my next key to the game is get those tack on points. Um, this Wake Forest team, um, they don't score a lot. They're, I believe, 13th in the ACC in yards per play in total yards and points scored. They're around 12th. So if Indiana, you know, you score a touchdown on that first drive, if they, if you could get out to a lead, um, you know, a two-score lead and make the two-score lead into a three-score lead, um, you're going to put Wake Forest into situations that they don't excel at, throwing the ball, throwing it downfield, um, and trying to hit the big play, uh, and and then it, you know offensively for Indiana, you could do a little bit more stuff, um, you know you know with uh, in terms of plays, getting creative, uh, and all that. So really getting those tack on points, turning a one score lead into a two score lead, and a two score lead into a three score lead is going to be huge because Wake Forest mm-hmm. it takes all their effort to score, and you know there's only so much time in the game and. You know, if you're up two or three scores, uh, you'd think that, you know, as long as they don't go into a shell like they did against Ball State, Indiana should be able to move the ball well enough, keep tacking on points, and make it that much more difficult for Wake Forest to, to come back. Yeah, they don't – they've played three games, and they don't have a receiver with more than six catches or more than 96 yards. Alex Bachman's their leading receiver with six catches and 96 yards. Nobody has more catches or yards than that. And that's through three games. That tells you uh, they don't generate a lot of big pass plays. Um, They're not – so far, they've not shown to be capable of hurting you with big pass plays. They've had some some big running plays, but, um, I I mean, they, they don't generate a lot of big plays and they don't give up a lot of big plays. Uh, Tulane only had one play of more than 25 yards. Duke had two plays of more than 25 yards. And Delaware, their longest play was 16. So that's three plays over 25 yards in the span of uh, three games. So uh, they don't get a lot of big plays. They don't give up a lot of big plays. So it's going to be up to Indiana to to keep their offense limited while also um, creating some big plays of their own, which Wake has not been uh, not been one to give up. Um, I'm going to be pretty interested to see how much Indiana – I mean, if they can establish that running game, then I think they can have success with play-action passes over the top. You know, we saw Nick Westbrook make a couple of big plays against Ball State. Uh, I think that you could see him. You could see Ricky Jones. You could, um, you know, somebody like Donovan Hale maybe get involved in the vertical threat. And, uh, you know, it's a – it's an IU podcast of ours, so we are, I guess, almost contractually obligated to mention that Camion Patrick might be playing in this game. I know that we have talked about his name. We've written about his name for a long, long time. I know to some he seems like an urban legend, uh, and he's just beginning to get that way with me as well uh, to where I've, I've just built it up so much in my head that I, I, I don't think he can actually live up to – the player that I'm, I'm hoping for, but there's no doubt he's a very talented player. He's going to line up at wide receiver and some running back, but mostly wide receiver, which is, you know, particularly helpful with Simi Cobbs being out. Uh, he can be a, you know, a, a big explosive play guy, and if he could play in this game, um, 
that'd be a nice boost to the offense and give them another big play threat, which could be really useful against Wake Forest. Uh, it could also give him a, a red zone threat. That's something he excelled at um, at junior college uh, level was uh, converting red zone opportunities, red zone targets into touchdowns. Um, so that could be a role that, that he gives IU a big boost at as well. So I, I'm interested to see what Indiana does uh, a little bit differently in the red zone and on third down after this bye week. Um, I don't know kind of what the options are because there are so many of them. So I'm not sure what they're gonna what they're gonna pursue. But I would expect you're gonna see a little bit more uh, Richard Lego maybe keeping the ball on some zone read stuff. Uh, I think we saw that very limited against FIU, did not see it against Ball State. I think you might see that on some third and shorts. Uh, I think you might see more screen passes, like I mentioned. And I I, I would love to see, and I, I don't know why I keep mentioning it because it just doesn't appear to happen, but I would love to see the tight ends, Danny Friend and Ian Thomas, get involved on third and short in the passing game. Uh, just have them, have them set up on blocks and then just, open up as a, a release valve target, you know, five, six yards down the field. I, I mean, Danny Friend's incredibly reliable, and he's, he's going to be bigger than the Wake Forest linebackers that are going to be trying to cover him. So I, I'd like to see some of that. I, I don't know if you had any thoughts on what you'd like to see more of on third down, that they could do a little better job on, you know, the third mediums that has been such a problem over the first two weeks of the season. Yeah, and you know, in regards to Camion Patrick, it's he's in the same boat as Dan Feeney. Uh, Wilson said, right? Uh, they're up waiting the on getting him. It's up. Yeah, it's not in our hands; it's in the doctor's hands. And um, you know, Camion has been practicing. He's you know cleared for practice. Um, so they're just waiting on getting game clearance. Could it be this week, or do they want to? You know, it. A lot of it might depend on, you know, of course, ultimately it comes down to the doctors, but you really need Camion Patrick to win this game. And, you know, after seeing the fourth quarter last week, yeah, probably. Um, maybe it'd be nice to have him, or do you just save him uh, and and hold that, that ace up your sleeve uh, until Michigan State next week? So, nah. you know, we'll, we'll see. I think he's healthy. They're going to play him. Yeah, maybe. I mean, just get his feet wet. And, you know, he hasn't seen a football field in a couple of years in terms of game uh, games. You know, we'll we'll see. They, we'll see during warm-ups. It, you know, Camion's been going through warm-ups, so it'll be hard to tell. But uh, like you were saying earlier uh, to me, TJ, you know, we'll see if Dan Feeney's going through warm-ups. He's probably going to play. Um, if he's not, then he's not going to play. Um, but the injury concerns for IU are just, those two, you know, you've lost Simi Cobbs, um, yeah. and you'd really like to see uh, Ricky Jones uh, get back into the mix uh, after, you know, a, a, well, don't want to say lackluster, but it was, uh, you know, a, a disappearing act uh, in terms of production uh, on the field mm-hmm. uh, for Ricky Jones. So, uh, with that, let's get down to predictions. What's uh, what's your prediction for Saturday, TJ? I have a lot of respect for the Wake Forest defense, so I'm not going to predict Indiana to torch them. Um, and I, I don't think that uh, I don't 
don't think the Wake Forest offense is going to put up a ton on IU's defense either. I think it's going to be uh, a different type of game than what we're used to seeing in Memorial Stadium, but um, I will go with Indiana winning this one 27-17, getting a late touchdown to to put this game away. Uh, I don't think that it's going to be – and I know some people will then – jump on, oh, it's the third straight week, the offense hasn't been lights out, you know, it's it's cause for concern. No, I mean, if Indiana wins this game and puts up 27 points, I'll be very, very pleased with that. Uh, because if you go in comparison to what other teams have done against Wake Forest defense, that would be a very nice day for the offense. Uh, so I'll go 27-17. to 17. I think that Richard Legault has a, has a nice day through the air and, uh, you know, maybe Divine Redding's able to able to get a little bit. I'd love to see Mike Majette and Devontae Williams get a chance to show what they can do with the ball on the edge. Uh, so I hope that Indiana uh, finds a way to make that happen. If they do, I think that they can break a couple of uh, nice plays to, to get Indiana over the top. Uh, so you're going 27-17. Um, yeah. I, with an IU victory, I – you know, a lot of the same things I agree with you, TJ. I'm going to go uh, IU 31, uh, Wake Forest 20. Uh, I think if IU scores over 30 points, they'll they'll win this game. I don't think Wake Forest has enough firepower, especially with Hinton and Carney out. Um, if Walford struggles, they have a redshirt freshman behind him who hasn't played. Uh, so, you know, it's their margin of error in terms of offense is – uh, has disappeared. Um, the, you know, the disguising quarterbacks getting, you know, prepared for two quarterbacks is is now gone. Um, and you know, Hinton was a wild card. He was a very good scrambler. Could give problems to IU. Um, and, and they've lost that. And Carney was a big back, hard runner, um, and really could have worn down the Indiana line. Uh, they've lost that as well. Um, and then I, I just think offensively, Indiana's got too much. Uh, we'd like to see Ricky Jones get more involved. Um, you know, I think Devine Redding's going to have tough sledding all day. Uh, but he, I mean, this this game might end his 100-yard streak, um, you know, getting 100 yards. But, you know, I think they're going to use Devontae Williams and Mike Majette to, to kind of loosen up that defense, getting them to the edge. Uh, whether it is on screens, uh, running, running to the outside, uh, things like that. So, you know, I think Indiana has enough on offense to put up 30 points on this defense. Um, and, you know, maybe the IU defense will, will get a few takeaways, set the offense up in, in good field position, um, and then, you know, start sealing this game. And, you know, we'll see. Wake can, can break off a couple big plays maybe. Um, you know, get a turnover too and get some points on the board as well. But Indiana 31, uh, Wake Forest 20 is, um, is my prediction. And then uh, we'll head into next week uh, with, you know, a, a big time matchup, especially if Michigan state uh, knocks off Wisconsin next or this week. Yeah. If Indiana gets the win here and it is a big if, I mean, Wake Forest is a, I would say that this is a, like, 55-45 game uh, percentage-wise. Uh, I haven't looked on, you know, the advanced stats pick center stuff, but I would guess it's somewhere yeah, between center, 55 to 60% for IU. It started last week at 
And okay. since the injury news has come out, uh, it has moved, I believe, to 57%. Um, yeah. I am checking right now. Yeah, 57.6% right now um, in favor of IU. IU is now yeah. 7.5-point favorites. They opened up as 6.5-point favorites. Um, so it, it's, you know, it's a road game for Wake. It's a, a trip where they're probably not going to bring a lot of fans. Uh, hopefully the no. IU fan base um, – takes what Wilson said uh, as a challenge, not as a, you know, a, a, as a, a shot at them, but a, as a challenge and embrace the challenge and show up and be loud and, and stay for the entire game and, and sing that fight song at the end, um, at the end of the game in the student section and, and see them uh, raise the victory flag uh, on the South end of Memorial stadium. So, you know, there are a lot yeah. of factors that will go against Wake Forest. Um, but, you know, my prediction is based on Dan Feeney playing. If if he doesn't play, right. it's all bets are off. You're missing an All-American yep. uh, lineman. And um, it, it'll really um, it'll probably change the game and, and make it a lot closer than it would be without um, – or with him in the lineup. I agree. Yeah. You know, it's not often you get a chance to – be unbeaten and host the top 10 team uh, at night. And that's something Indiana would get the chance to do most likely uh, if can, uh, they can play well enough to get the win Saturday against Wake Forest. So I'm, I'm hoping we get the chance to, to experience that. I think it'd be a, it'd be a great week for Indiana football. If, uh, if we could have Michigan state coming in as a top 10 team as a big 10 opener with Indiana at three and Oh, uh, under the lights, and uh, I think that'd be a whole lot of fun. So I hope we get a chance to do that. But uh, you got to take care of business first. And um, I know the players and coaches are are not looking ahead to Michigan State. They do have a lot of respect for Wake Forest, uh, and I I do too. I have a lot of respect for that defense, and um, I think Dave Glossman's a really capable head coach. So I think it's going to be a, a pretty fun game on Saturday, and one that I'm anxious to see, especially after. Uh, sitting back and watching other teams play on Saturday. It'll be good to have Indiana back on the TV here, like you said, for 10 straight weeks. Uh, it's it's going to be a grind, but it's why I know we as, at Hoosier Huddle are looking forward to it, and I'm sure the players are, and coaches are anxious for the challenge as well. So uh, let's you know, let's get to it. it it's, I'm, I'm ready. I'm unfortunate that it's still Wednesday, I'll tell you that. Yeah, it, it's it's really felt like another you know hundred days since um, since IU's played. But uh, TJ, all focus. We don't we don't want to look ahead. I mean, it, as tempting as it is, and as um, as juicy of a game next week could be, you know, IU needs to focus on this week and not oh, yeah. get caught oh, yeah. in, caught in thinking. Well, we open up Big Ten play with Michigan State, uh, who very well could be a top, you know, a top 10 team, top eight team, Ohio state, yep. who could be the number one team in the country. Um, oh, and Nebraska who has cracked the top 25 and is looking very, very, um, very good. So yep. uh, it's 10 straight weeks. It's going to be um, physically demanding, mentally demanding uh, for players and coaches. They, it is a, this, game is a must win game. Um, I, I believe just because you got to get out of non-conference three, and when you have the shot, 
Uh, you're yeah. facing three very difficult opponents coming up, um, and you'd rather be, you know, worst case scenario three and three instead of two and four coming out of that, um, and and heading up to Northwestern. Uh, so to yeah. be, getting loss, getting off. Go go ahead. Loss here takes away your, you know, any any padding or margin for error you have in the rest of the season. Uh, yep. You'd be going through the remaining nine weeks with, with really little to no margin for error, uh, unless you're able to pull off a big upset. Um, so you know, winning on Saturday keeps you, I guess you'd say, on schedule uh, to accomplish your goals. Um, a loss kind of takes away that that little bit of margin for error you have to get to six wins. And uh, that's not a place you want to be in after after three games. So, yeah, it's, no, a, it, it's a crucial game. Um, so I'm 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 confident that the players and coaches have used this bye week very well. You know, I'm confident in the coaching staff, and I I've, every indication we've gotten can culture of this team is not one that they just you know sit around for two weeks and think everything was hunky dory and come out expecting to play well on Saturday after not doing anything for two weeks. You know, I don't think that that's what happened. I think they used the two weeks well. Like the coaching staff will have them prepared. I don't think they're going to be looking ahead to Michigan State. It's just a matter of going out and getting the job done. Yeah, that's tremendously correct. It's Everybody's focused on this game. Uh, and let us um, in the media worry about the next uh, the next game. But it, it should be yeah, a good game. Yeah, we're good at that. Yeah, it should be a good game. 3.30 um, is a great time uh, for for a football game in Bloomington. Uh, the weather is supposed to be spectacular. Uh, so it's perfect tailgating, um, and it'll be perfect as it cools down later in the afternoon to get ready, uh, you know, to, to watch some football. And hopefully, you know, fans take that challenge and, and stay through the game. And, you know, another thing uh, – that you'd want to see is, uh, you know, just, you know, have fun, see how you respond, show, show this team and coach Wilson that, Hey, we, we want a good football team. We're, we're on the same page. Um, show us what you could do and, and challenge that team to, Hey, we showed up, we did our part. Now you go, you go beat Wake Forest and, and show us that, this is why we have to show up the next week and, and keep showing up. So um, right. see what happens in terms of that. Uh, the game is, I, I think one of five or one of six uh, power four, four conference, one of four uh, power five yeah. conference uh, undefeated matchups this week. So um, it's, you know, it, on paper, it doesn't scream out as one of the better games, but this is a, a good matchup. It should be an exciting game and uh, you know, keep following uh, Hoosier Huddle. Uh, we'll have our, our pregame coverage. We started it already. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we had to know your opponent. Uh, key, key to the game is coming up uh, tomorrow. Our matchup to watch um, is uh, Duke Elijahfor. It's not Elijahfor. It's um, Ijafor. Um There's no L in it. Uh, against Brandon Knight and Coy Cronk. So take a look at that. Uh, and then we have... Um, you know, TJ, your primers coming out on, on Friday to, to get everybody yep. uh, ready for the game. So, uh, TJ, thanks for joining us. Uh, guys, you know, IU fans uh, and 
you know, maybe some Wake Forest fans. Thanks for listening. And uh, we'll be back uh, either Sunday, Monday, hopefully uh, in a victorious uh, post-game uh, podcast. Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's our goal is to have fun on Saturday and uh, I you to get a win so we can have fun on Monday talking about the game and uh, begin looking ahead to Michigan State. Either way, those you know, those big games are going to be there, but they'll feel a lot better if you're coming off of a win. So thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, always have a lot of fun bringing this to you. So if you enjoy it, uh, have, a, have a great rest of the week and get to Saturday safely so we can enjoy the, enjoy the Hoosiers. Yes, thanks for listening. Uh, we'll be back um, later in the week after the game uh, for our post-game uh, podcast. Uh, do visit HoosierHuddle.com often. Follow us on Twitter at Hoosier underscore huddle um, as we get ready for uh, Wake Forest this week. Uh, Thanks for listening and enjoy the rest of your day. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. The NBA Finals are heating up. Looking for hot takes on all the postseason action? The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, is the podcast to listen to for the ultimate finals coverage. Host and former NBA sharpshooter J.J. Redick not only has a plugged-in perspective on the action from his time in the league, but he's also announcing the games in real time for ESPN. J.J. has the ultimate insider point of view, and he's taking you along for the ride as he breaks down the best defensive schemes, dunks, and drives from each game. And speaking of incredible drives, there's no better place to tune into your new favorite podcast, The Old Man and the Three, than in a standard-setting BMW. Luxury meets power to create a wholly new driving experience. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. 
Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today.